have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. We've been in our series on Philippians, and we were talking about the dogs a couple of weeks ago, and we still have to get to the dung. So we're going to put the dogs in the dung to rest for just a little while. We'll come back to them after the first of the year. We'll finish up Philippians, but we're starting what's commonly known as the Advent season. Advent simply means uh, coming. Uh, it talks about Jesus' first Advent, which was Christmas. Of course, his second Advent's going to be at the second coming. His first Advent, Jesus came as a lamb. The second Advent, he's coming as a king and as a judge. So uh, to think about the Advent season, we're going to be looking at uh, what I call life lessons from Christmas. And before we start this little series, let me say that most of us are pretty familiar with the Christmas story. Uh, we're familiar with these passages we're going to read. We are familiar with the characters that we're going to study, except maybe one. There may be one you may not be quite as familiar with. This morning we're going to be looking at Joseph and Mary. And we are very familiar with that story, but let me say that in my closet, I have a gray sweatshirt that acts just the sweatshirt when the weather turns cool. It's comfortable. I put it on and I'll wear it around the house all winter. It's comfortable. I like it. Uh, I like my gray sweatshirt. Uh, it seems like when we go out to restaurants, quite often we go to the same restaurants because they're comfortable. Uh, when we go to certain restaurants, we get the same things quite often. When I had folks come into my restaurant, a lot of times I would know. He orders a hamburger with no ketchup, or he orders this with lettuce and tomato. And we do that because it's comfortable. And so can I encourage you as we study this series of life lessons from Christmas, that just like an old gray sweatshirt, we put them on, we're comfortable, and let's just revel in the familiarity of it. Familiarity can be bad, but in a way it's good because we know. And let us start thinking and turning our mind toward the fact that a little over 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven left his throne and came to earth to dwell among us for just a little while, roughly 30 years, to fix the mess that we humans caused and caused. So this morning, the life lesson we can learn from Mary and Joseph, and that's the life lesson of faith. In your bulletin is a little handout with fill in the blanks. Uh, if you don't like to do those, you can use the back of it for a grocery list. Uh, that's, that's perfectly fine. But uh, for some, it helps to help us keep our thoughts in mind. So as we look at Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at Luke 1 and Matthew 1 today. So Luke chapter 1 beginning at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now if you'll keep your finger there and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1. If you have one of those Bible markers, you might put it there. We'll be going back and forth from Luke to Matthew today. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. As we go back to the Luke account, in Luke chapter 1, I, what we're going to do this morning is go through these verses in Luke and Matthew, and then make some applications. This isn't a complicated lesson, but... It's a lesson I think we can learn quite a lot from. So Luke chapter 1 verse 26, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The sixth month there means the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, we're told that a little bit later on in verse 36. So when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, this angel Gabriel came to Mary. Gabriel is the angel that God uses to send messages, uh, to give messages from heaven to humans. And so that's what Gabriel does here. Gabriel also came to Zechariah. We'll, we'll study that next week. But Gabriel comes to Mary, and verse 27 tells us that she was a virgin, espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, the word, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is a central uh, tenet of Christianity. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe that is a 
varies. That's a belief a person has to hold to hold to Orthodox Christianity. This is a fulfillment of prophecy from uh, Isaiah chapter 7, when Isaiah prophesied that a virgin would give birth. Uh, so it's important to point that out and know that. The fact that Jesus was from the house of David uh, is fulfillment of prophecy as well. Matthew, all four of the gospel writers wrote the life of Jesus. It tells us about the life of Jesus from a different perspective. Matthew was writing uh, as Jesus being the coming King and Messiah. He was writing specifically for Jews. There's a very Jewish flavor to the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew here, he goes out of his way to let folks know that this is a fulfillment of prophecy, y'all. Old Testament said that Jesus, the Hebrew Bible said that Jesus would be born uh, out of the lineage or out of the seed of David. Matthew tells us that's exactly what happened. So he's letting us know that. As we keep on reading, we find he comes to Mary, verse 28. Uh, the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. This word highly favored can also be uh, translated much accepted or uh, full of grace. Uh, this is where the Catholic Church, this is a verse that they use to say that Mary is, they look at Mary as a co-redeemer. They look at Mary as the most holy woman that's ever lived. And they use this verse to try to show that. Uh, let me just say that all, all Gabriel is saying here is, Hello Mary, you are highly favored in God's sight and God has chosen to bless you. That's basically what Gabriel is, is saying here. And as we keep reading, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Putting that in southern terms, putting that in Andy Plank translation, she was scared, slapped to death. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine an angel appearing to you and says, oh, by the way, God has seen you. God's been watching you. That would be scary enough, wouldn't it? But then to say that you're highly favored. You are you're graciously accepted. God has accepted your worship of him, your belief in him, your trust in him. And he says, and it troubled uh, Mary. And she said, what in the world? What is this all about? Uh, have you ever gotten a phone call and looked on your caller ID and you'll see your name and you think, what in the world? Why are they calling me at? 11 o'clock at night, and we think something's wrong. What, what, what is this about? Or you'll get a phone call, and you'll answer it, and they'll say, hey, this is Bob. Well, you haven't heard from Bob in years. What, what does, and so this is just strange. you got to admit, having an angel visit you is not something that happens every day, right? That's a very unusual event. And so she's spinning through her mind what in the world this could be. Let me tell you what. What it really was, was the furthest thing from Mary's mind. Mary may have thought the angel was going to say this or that. It never dawned on her that the angel was coming to tell her she's fixing to give birth to the Son of God. Amen? That's just out of her wildest imagination. So, verse 30, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you found favor with God. Behold, you're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to bring forth a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be son of the highest, the Lord of God. And God's going to give him the throne of his father David. 
He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now imagine if you were married and you just heard that. That's a pretty big pill to swallow, isn't it? Then as you think about these things, and as it goes in your mind, you raise your hand and say, uh, we have a problem. I've got a question. Mary says, look at, look at it and so you can see I'm not making it up. In verse 34, Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary said, I paid attention in biology class. And I'm a female, and you've got to have a male in order to have a child. She goes, I'm a virgin. God, I, I can't, you've made it, Gabriel's at the wrong house. Maybe it's another Mary that he needs to be talking to. What in the world, this can't happen. And the angel said to her, verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, she's an old woman, right? She's going to have a baby too. As a matter of fact, she's six months along. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And so Mary says, Behold your handmaiden, Lord. And we'll talk about that verse a little bit later. So that's pretty much Luke's account of what's going on. Flip over to Matthew now. Let's look at Joseph's point of view. We see Mary's visitation of an angel. Joseph is going to get a little visitation of himself from an angel. Verse 18, I suppose, and I don't know why... How Joseph found out Mary was pregnant, I don't know whether she just, uh, Mary didn't know, or I don't know whether this vision happened after Mary's vision long enough for her to get up enough nerve to tell Joseph, or maybe she was pregnant and starting to show. We don't know how Joseph uh, knew that she was pregnant, but we do know he knew because verse 19 tells us that because they were engaged, she, he finds out she's pregnant. He's wanting to divorce her. He thinks that she has been unfaithful to him. But being a just man, Joseph says, you know what? I don't want to make things hard. By Mosaical law, Moses, or Moses, Joseph had every right to have Mary stoned for adultery. Because once you're being engaged then is not like being engaged now. Being engaged in Jesus' day the only thing you haven't done is consummate the marriage. If you wanted out of that marriage relationship, you had to get a writing of divorcement. It was a very serious thing. So uh, Joseph is ready to divorce her. So he could have said, wait a minute, Mary's, look at Mary. What kind of woman is she? She's been unfaithful to me. I'm putting her away. But scripture tells us that Joseph is a just man, an honorable man. And he seeks to do that privately, in a private way, and not make a big deal so that Mary can salvage the best life that she could. But we keep reading. While he's thinking about these things, verse 18, an angel comes to him saying, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry your wife or your fiancé Mary, because that which is conceived of in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she's going to have a baby, and you'll call him Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. 
He's going to be named Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. When you hear the word Emmanuel during the Christmas season, understand what God is with us. God is leaving heaven. He's come to live on earth. That's what being Emmanuel is all about. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until they had brought forth Jesus. Now, when we look at the angel coming to Mary, as well as coming to Joseph, don't you have to admit that both of them had a great deal of faith? Mary is a young girl, maybe 14 or 15 years old. And it would have taken a lot of faith to do what she did. The life lesson of Christmas that we're going to look at today is the life lesson we learn from Joseph and Mary, and that's the life lesson of faith. We'll also be looking at the life lesson in the next coming weeks of prayer, of praise, and a promise. But let me tell you what, you can pray all you want to. You can praise all you want to. You can read about all of God's promises if you want to. If you don't have faith, your prayers and your praise are going to be baseless. Amen? Faith is the foundation of everything that we believe as Christians. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we want to put that in our language, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. This same chapter, Hebrews 11:6, it's one of our memory verses for experiencing God. It tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is a very basic foundation. It's a very strong, a very basic life lesson. And as we look at Mary and Joseph, what can we learn about their lives to build our building blocks of faith and to help us build our life as a Christian? First of all, if you look back in Luke, in order to build our faith, we must believe the unbelievable. In order for us to build our faith, we must believe the unbelievable. Look starting at verse 34. Or really verse 34 and 35, 36. The angel said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Mary says, that can't happen. I'm a virgin. Then the angel says, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. You're going to have a baby. By the way, it's the Son of God. He's going to be great. He's going to be the seed of David. He's going to rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now think about this. Mary says, through an angel of all people, I guess you refer to an angel as people, created being, of all things, an angel comes to her says you're going to conceive, you're going to give birth, you're going to reign over Israel forever. His kingdom's never going to end. The Holy Spirit is his father. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Is that a lot to believe? That's downright unbelievable, isn't it? 
Believing in God always involves, and having faith in God always involves believing the unbelievable. Think of these couples in the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, and then when we come to the New Testament, Elizabeth and Zechariah. You know what they all had in common? They all wanted children. And specifically in Abraham and Sarah's case, and in Zechariah and Elizabeth's case, these were old people. Abraham and Sarah were pushing 100 years old. My daughter said she felt old at 25. I said, you ought to try 100. <laughs> you know? Moses saw a burning bush. And when he got there, a voice came out of that burning bush and says, Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. And you're going to tell him to deliver my people. I'm going to deliver my people. I've heard them crying out to me. I'm going to deliver them. And you're going to be the catalyst through which I do that. And Moses says, me? Me? That's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? When the children of Israel got to the Red Sea and got backed up against it, the Egyptian armies on one side, the Red Sea's on the other side, it seems like it's going to come to an end. God tells Moses, hold your staff out, and the sea's going to part. You reckon Moses went, really? That's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? When the Israelites were going to conquer the city of Jericho, God told them to walk around the city, blow a trumpet. On the seventh day, he told them to walk around the city seven times, blow the trumpet. On the seventh, the, the seventh time, everybody shout. And the walls are going to fall down. I promise you that is not in any war strategy book ever written. I've been involved in bands all my life. I've heard a lot of trumpet playing. I've heard good trumpet playing, bad, bad trumpet playing, and loud trumpet playing. But I've never heard trumpet playing that will knock walls down. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But they had faith, and guess what? That's exactly what happened. Peter walking on the water. Peter, there in the storm, Jesus comes to him, calms it, calms the storm. Peter says, sees Jesus walking on the water. Jesus tells him, Peter, you walk on the water. Come to me, Peter. For a minute, Peter had faith and started walking on the water. That's unbelievable. Having faith in God starts with understanding that if you're going to have true faith, you've got to believe the unbelievable. Our God created the world. Our God created the universe. There's nothing our God cannot do. If we believe it, if we can see it, it's not faith. Have you ever thought about that? In order for something to be faith, uh, to be a faith, you can't see it. Allison and Clayton are fixing to get married. And I'm not going to have Allison ask out loud, but if I ask her, I said, does Clayton love you? She's going to say yes. 
And I'm going to say, can you see it? Now, you may say, see the different things that he does, but bottom line, don't you have to accept by faith he loves you? And Clayton, you have to accept by faith Allison loves you? It's a faith thing. Now, you may see evidences of it, but I can't go out today and hold God by the hand and show an unbeliever, here's God, right? It requires faith. If you can see it, it's not faith anymore. Mary and Wayne's car is red. Is that faith or is that sight? Well, no, I know it's red. I know it's there. I, I know that's what that color is. Unless you get old like me and you can't tell the difference in blue and black. Uh, yeah, y'all are laughing. Y'all have that same trouble, don't you? Faith is believing in something you can't see, but it's also believing the unbelievable. The first thing we have to understand about faith is that in order to have a strong, life-changing faith, we must be willing to open our minds into our hearts to the fact that to be pleasing to God, we have to believe and have confidence in the unbelievable. God wants to do such a great work in us and through us if we would just have faith that he can do the unbelievable. So that's number one. Number two, to live by faith, we must take time to hear from God. In order to live by faith, we must take time to hear from God. Look at Matthew chapter 1 this time. Verse 20. But while Joseph thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. While Joseph was taking the time to think and to consider, that's when he hears from the angel. What if Joseph, however he found out Mary was pregnant, what if he had just gone off half-cocked, all red-faced and all mad, and says, you're, you're this, you're that, I'm going to divorce you, let's stone her, she's committed adultery. Joseph would never have heard from the angel, would he? The fact that Joseph slowed down to take the time to hear from God is a lesson that we can all learn, isn't it? Don't we all need to learn to take time to hear from God, to take time to find out what it is God wants to, us to do? We live in a constantly busy society. Days off are almost a thing of the past. Even when we're off, we're not off, right? There's stuff to do at home. There's always somewhere to go. There's always people to see. The mantra of the 21st century might just be, don't just stand there, do something. Stay busy. Keep going. Can I suggest you this, to you this morning, whether in Bible study, prayer, or praise, if we don't take the time to meditate and hear from God, we, must, we might just be missing the biggest reason why we do all three of these things. That's to get closer to God. Don't we study our Bibles? Don't we pray? Don't we praise so that we can get closer to God? If we don't take the time to reflect on what we prayed, if we don't take the time to reflect on what we've read, if we don't take the time just to be still and listen for God and let God work on our hearts and change our hearts, we're going to miss it. And we're not going to find the roots that we need to grow a deep, long-lasting faith. Number three. To live by faith, we must learn to find strength in the promises of God. To live by faith, we must learn to find strength 
and the promises of God. Look at Matthew 1.21 this time. The angel tells Joseph, Mary's going to bring forth a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. And he's going to be the savior of the world. Can I suggest to you that if it weren't for this promise that Jesus Christ is going to be the savior of the world, that this life today would be a hopeless endeavor. Without knowing that Jesus Christ is our Savior, without that promise of God, life would be hopeless. You know what? I can't see the Lamb's book of life, and you can't either. But you know what God has promised us? He's promised us that if we've trusted Jesus as our Savior to take away our sins, that when we get there, our name is going to be written. on the It's there. I can't see it. But I trust the promise that God made that my name is there because I've trusted in him. When uh, Bree and I went to ride the Polar Express train in the Smokies last Christmas, they didn't send you uh, tickets. They said, just come to the will call window and your reservation will be there. From Fairview, Tennessee to Bryson City, North Carolina, takes a minute. Like a five-hour drive. And that whole five hours I'm worrying, I sure hope that reservation's going to be there. I hope we don't drive all the way out here. And they Now, they, my credit card got charged, so I felt pretty sure that they knew about it. But I'm worried, is that reservation going to be there? And I get to the, there's a line there at the will call, and the lady right in front of me, they didn't have a reservation. And I said, I knew it. <laughs> I knew we were going to get here and you wouldn't have my reservation. They told her, they said, stand to the side. I said, I'm going to be right there with you in a minute, sister. And I was worried. So I get there. I said, my name is Andy Plank. I'm supposed to have three, four reservations. It was me and Marie and Samantha and Riley. We all had a little Polar Express. Here we are. We all got our little Polar Express pajamas on. Ready to have a big time on this train. I'm thinking we ain't going to be able to hear it. There's not going to be a ticket. We won't be. A they said, we have your reservation right here. I'm like, Phew. Let me tell you what. If you've made reservations in the Lamb's Book of Life, because of the promises of God, faith in God's promises, you don't have to worry about whether or not your reservation is going to be there. Amen. Faith is learning to trust in the promises of God. Did you know the Bible's full of God's promises? Look up on Google. Y'all do a lot of, and I do too, a lot of worthless things on Google, a lot of worthless surfing. Look up on Google the promises of God. And you'll be blessed. We're going to talk about promises a little bit more later. So we'll get a little deeper into that. But to live by faith, we must learn to find strength in the promises of God. To live by faith... We can't worry about what everybody else thinks. To live by faith, we can't worry about what everybody else thinks. Matthew 1, verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now think about this. Put yourself in Joseph and Mary's shoes and the conversation that they had with one another. Do you imagine how much talk was done about Joseph and Mary? 
as a result of Mary being pregnant before Joseph and her said the I do's? Do y'all reckon people back then gossiped? Human nature hadn't changed, y'all. You know how it is to live in a small town, right? People know more about your business than you know about your business. Think of the faith that Joseph had to have and that Mary had to have to stand up, hear these messages from these angels, to hold one another's hand and say, you know what? Mary, I don't know what they're going to say about us, but I do know what they're going to say. But in spite of that, I love you. We're just going to keep on keeping on. And I can see Mary looking at Joseph saying, I feel the same way. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to experience it with you. They didn't care what everybody else thought. Sometimes to have faith, we can't worry about what everybody else thinks. You know how crazy I am? I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. And I believe he's eternal God and he came to a manger to be a human being. 30-something years, to be scorned, to be laughed at, to have a crown of thorns put on his head, to be crucified and die for not only my sins, but for your sins and the sins of the whole world and for all who would believe. And not only that, after he died, he was buried. Three days later, he arose. And not just his spirit, but his body arose arose and then he was ascended back into heaven where he assumed his sonship on the right hand of God. Y'all, I'm crazy. A lot of folks have called me crazy. They've called me other things too, but they called me, you know what? I don't care. To have faith, we can't care what everybody else thinks. There used to be a bumper sticker. I've said this before. It says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let me tell you what, God settles it, and that, or God said it, and that settles it, Amen. whether I believe it or not. I believe what God said in his word. To live by faith, we can't hear what everybody else thinks. Now, we, take, we listen, we take their advice, but to truly live by faith, we have to have faith in what God says and build our building block from there. But not only that, we've talked about this earlier, just going to touch on it now. To live by faith, we must realize that nothing is impossible with God. Verse 37 of Matthew chapter 1. No, this is in the Luke account, sorry. In Luke 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Angels, no problem. Virgin birth, God's got that covered. Holy Spirit, conception, no problems. You and I are going to live our lives. And as we live it, we are going to be faced with things that seem impossible. And you know what we need to do when that happens? When our relationship has been torn so badly, it seems like we can't put it back together. When our job is going so horribly, maybe we've gotten a pink slip even. Maybe we've got a doctor's diagnosis or a loved one's got a doctor's diagnosis and it seems impossible. You know when it's impossible to man, that's when God does his best work. 
If it was easy, we'd never have faith. One of the men in prison, I, I think I've shared this with you too, but it, it fits right here. So if I've shared it, I feel like you never heard it before. His uh, mother was dying and they were pulling the plug that day. And so I called him in. We talked. He called his family. They, we prayed together. And so I kept expecting to hear from them that she passed away. And about a week later, I hadn't heard. So I called the family. I said, I was just concerned about your family member. What happened? And they said, you're not going to believe this. But when they pulled the plug, she woke up. And she is doing much, much better now. And she's going to be all right. Pulling the plug's nothing for God. It doesn't say God's always going to do. God's will's going to be done. And we have to understand that. We understand God is sovereign and we're not. God knows what's best not only for me but for everybody else. There's a song by Mercy Me entitled, Even If. Even if God doesn't heal, it doesn't mean that he can't. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when Nebuchadnezzar said, you bow down to this image or I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace, they told him, we're, we're not going to bow down. Our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still going to bow down. Faith is realizing that with God, nothing is impossible. And that it's understanding that if God wants to, he can do it. If that's God's will, he can do it. We need to learn to pray, God, your will be done. When our health is in an impossible situation, a loved one's health is impossible, seems like, our prayer needs to be, Lord, heal them, but your will be done. And God, faith is not believing that God's always going to do what I want him to do. God is not our genie that we have our wishes and God grants it. God is the sovereign God of heaven. Lord of the universe. His will is going to be done. He knows what's best. God doesn't need my input as to what's best for me. To live by faith, you have to believe and realize nothing's impossible with God. Finally, to live by faith, we have to be available. To live by faith, we have to be available. Look at Mary, verse 38 of Luke 1. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You know what Mary said? That, that's King James. You know what 21st century language that is? She says, Lord, I'm your servant. Whatever you want to do with me and through me, you do your thing. I'm just available for you to work. Do what you want to be. Do what you want with me. When God lays a project on your heart, what's your reaction? Lord, I can't do this. Lord, our church, we're, we're old new hope. We're a little bitty church. We can't do that. You know what we need to do when God lays something on our heart? We need to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, just use me, use this church, just let us be vessels for you. A lot of us in this church have a lot of abilities, but the only ability that God needs from us is availability. How's your faith like? 
I hope today I've given you some ideas as to what you can do to help strengthen your faith. Like I say, next week we're going to talk about prayer and Zachariah and his prayer. Uh, Roger and Mary, if y'all come on up, we'll do the, an invitation song. It may be you never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You never exercised that faith you have in Him. If the Holy Spirit's convicted you that you're a sinner, and all of us are, and that you need a Savior, and all of us do, may I encourage you to have the faith this morning to admit to God you're a sinner, to trust His finished work on the cross, cry out, Lord, save me, and have the faith to understand that God will do that based on your confession and your trust in Him. And maybe you've done that, but you haven't lived by faith. You've lived by sight. Can I encourage you to start living by faith? I'm not saying be reckless and be crazy. I'm not saying drive 10 miles an hour in the left lane of Highway 40, you know, Interstate 40. I'm not saying, you know, be crazy. No, I'm talking about living by faith, understanding that your God in heaven. There's nothing he can't do. He wants to have his way in your life. He wants to have his way in our church. We just need to let him, amen? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for 